Oh, yeah. It's November, my favorite month of the year. You know what November's known for? Uh, my birthday. Eating a lot of food. Is that what it's known for? Yeah, it bro. is. It's Thanksgiving, uh, dude. Turkey National day. Adam Day. Motherfucking Scorpios in the house. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I like November because this is, I think, one of my favorite- Because your favorite host is birthday, one, is it? No, that's not why. Mm, that's not it's why. one of our favorite promotions. Uh, for the month of November, check this out. Enroll in any- Maps bundle. That's the sexy athlete bundle. You could do the build your butt bundle or the nine months of exercise programming RGB bundle. Enroll in any of those bundles, and you. This is your pick now. We've never done this before. Mm. Your pick of any of our guides, absolutely free. We have the intermittent fasting survival guide, and the nutrition survival guide, and the occlusion training survival guide. Any one of those. It's actually not a survival guide. It's just a collusion guide. But anyway, <laughs> any one, you might cool. want to survive. Any one of those guides, you can pick for free if you enroll in a bundle. This is what you do. Enroll in a bundle. After you purchase, email admin at mindpumpmedia.com. Include your name, your address. Oh, and by the way, you get a free shirt. I forgot that. Son of a bitch, Adam. You didn't remind me. I was going to wait for you to finish yeah, the yeah. word to send it, then I was going to go back over. It's okay. Yeah. So you get a free Maps shirt bonus too, right? Yeah. yeah, you can- A guide so and a shirt. You get, you get to pick. Okay, so if you get any of the bundles, you can go and you can pick any map shirt that you want. So let's say you're missing Maps white shirt or you're missing, missing green or you're missing red, whatever. You can pick whatever map shirt that you want. That's absolutely free. Plus, you get to pick one of these guides. Now, in order to get that, here's the key and the most important piece, though, is after you purchase, you ring everything up, you got it, it's in your thing, then you need to go and send an email. This goes to Doug. This is where Doug can handle this. You go to his admin at mindpumpradio.com. Mindpumpmedia.com. When you go to the admin at mindpumpmedia.com, you're going to include your name, your address, your shirt size, which one you want. So I want maps red. I'm an extra large plus the guide you want. You send that over to the admin at mindpumpmedia.com email. Then Doug will get that out to you. Beautiful. We only messed up 10 times. Whoa. You'll get it. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Uh, All right. Uh, can you, can you, you, sound, you sound weird, man. I do? No, not That's you. normal. Me? No, Sal, yeah. I sound weird? Does yeah. he? Do I sound okay? How's my, how's, my, uh, how's my meter looking? You know what? You might it sounds not, normal to me. Yeah, you know what? You might not be able to fix that. It's, it's not, just normal? It's unfixable. Yeah. yeah it just, so, so, Adam, you, you have a cold? You're getting a cold, too? No, actually, my sister sent that you to me, and so again. I sent it to you. What do you mean? She asked me about... Uh, oh, she's getting a cold. Yeah, I just decided to take it to be preventative because if you are coming down with sore throat, I want to be ahead of the game. If, well, I don't know. Can you get... Maybe... I don't know. Do you guys... Maybe someone can look this up. Can you get a cold? Because like Adam gives me blowjobs all the time, right? Right. Can you get a cold like that? Because I have... From that. Yeah, because I have... Because I'm sick. I hope not. I think okay. it's kind of like getting pregnant on the <laughs> toilet seat. Yeah, it's... It's a, it's a myth. It's about, That's not what yeah. you kept telling me. It's about me. on the same level as that. <laughs> That's horrible. Don't worry, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. We, I think sometimes we take it too far, though. Yeah, to joking. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's too early for you to get that far, too. Oh, yeah. Get to uh, warm the audience up first. Whoa. Sorry, audience. Yeah, we, Adam doesn't do that. You got to breathe on it a little first. <laughs> he, he doesn't bring me flowers anymore. anymore. Dang, I know. That's the first time Is you've that been. Barbara Streisand. You were. Uh, who was I'm that? I'm calling that you out right now. So. Is that Barbara Streisand? That's an embarrassing reference. Is all. I God yeah. damn it. 
I don't know it's who really that bad. was who's saying that. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. You know what's worse? I what? know it too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. You know what? Fuck. It's true. You can't talk shit because you finished it. I know. You finished the tune. Uh, I do that a lot. Yeah. Finish has it, things. Has anybody worked out yet today? No. Only you get up early. Today? Do, do you do that, Justin? Oh, I do. I do like three o'clock, you know, four o'clock, whenever we're done with the day. That's usually when I do it. Where do you go? You go head over to? This like mom and pop gym. Oh, the one by your yeah. house? It God, sucks. I can't wait till we have our stuff. I know, now. right? Ah, oh, I just sent an email. I'm really trying to get that here. I want that equipment. Did we you get it. my message that I said we're we're actually here till Tuesday, so we or Wednesday even? Yes. So we have until next week. So if they can't I put get the it, hustle back on them, so okay. we'll see. We'll see if they come through. Okay. I have yet to work out. I mean, you you Adam had to work out here twice with the kettlebells. Two I times did, you did. Two times I did. Up well, the first. Maybe one, I'll just do that. I'll just hang out. I had a we had a out. Katrina and I came in here on Saturday. I think it was. <clears throat> I came, I was in here on Thursday or Friday also. So when we first got them, and I did mostly just like stick work and uh, mobility stuff, not a lot, of, a little bit of kettlebell work, but not much. But we did a full full kettlebell workout um, on Saturday. Came in, and I thought I'd take her through that. That would be her first time ever doing something like that. So, oh, this would be cool. Oh uh, yeah. You know what's one of the most underrated movements that I've started incorporating um, with the kettlebells? Mm. It's underrated because even I underrated. It. I don't really think it would do much for me. But I'm noticing um, strength gains and muscle development gains from incorporating this, and it's the the like the holds, the kettlebell holds and walks and stuff like that. Dude, of course. See, yeah, I know you say that, but uh, because but you've it's, been doing it and been disciplined in doing yeah, it. Yeah, because it's isometric. Yeah. Because it's you know, I, I never really thought it was like that big of a deal. Yeah. But it's a big fucking deal, man. It like is. I, I'll hold the kettlebell in the rack position. Mm-hmm. I'll do one arm sometimes or both arms, and I'll just walk. Yeah. And, you know, do sets like that and get a real heavy one and stay real tight. And um, I'm, I'm noticing a lot, actually a, a, a alarming amount, not alarming, but um, shocking amount of carryover to my other traditional lifts. It's crazy, man. And it, it, like, I noticed the same thing. And so I know, I know you're kind of tripping on that right now. That's, that's exactly what I felt when I started to incorporate that and overhead walks and, and carries and suitcase carries. To be honest, suitcase carries one of my favorite favorite oblique exercises i could possibly do yeah uh, huge like i you started know, just start adding more weight on your side and adjusting just walking dude Super i simple i will i can do shrugs i can do rows this and that man nothing will make my upper mid back uh like feel sore or whatever mm-hmm. like heavy carries or walks with kettlebells like suitcase carriers or if i do both kettlebells and i, I get a real heavy one or now that we have that 128 pounder yeah. I want to do some short walks. We're all going to be fucker. throwing that one around. Yeah, we're oh going to need God. the 200 here soon. Well, isn't this a lot of what inspired you to do the stick? Isn't this mm-hmm. what you just learning this yourself? Because you, out of all of us, you probably have incorporated the most isometric move. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say move. It's not a move. It's a, a hold. You know, you've yeah. never, <laughs> you've, That's the key, Adam. Uh, you don't move. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so you've probably incorporated the most out of all of us, I'd say. Yeah. No, it, it, it definitely sparked a lot of that. Um, and... Going through the mobility, I, I realized that like uh, just the tension of it when I would try and apply uh, certain leverage positions with the stick and all that, I'm like, wow, like I really get a, like a nice response out of my muscles and let me just hold it in this position and then really drive into it and get more connectivity. And then, uh, yeah, that totally sparked a lot more thought process with me as far as, well, 
you know, I really feel connected. I feel like now I go into my lifts and, and, and I can pull, uh, you really just feel more muscle recruitment and, and more involvement in that same movement. Um, you know, just doing that in conjunction. So. And, and something else I learned with, uh, the holds is I seem to respond better. And maybe you can back me up on this, Justin, when I do them at a moderate high intensity, not at an extreme high intensity. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. So well, rather than getting like a, a kettlebell where I can barely make it the distance I'm trying to walk, where at the end of it I have to drop it because I'm like, oh, fuck, you know. Yeah. Rather than doing that, I get a weight that's relatively hard, but that I'm kind of creating this intrinsic tension. Yes. And then I just practice it. You know, it's something well, I can do more very frequently. control. Yeah, you have more control and it's more, um, yeah, you're, you're like, you're not totally fatigued and you're not trying to fight uh, this exhaustion, uh, going into like uh, a regular lift. So yeah, like you said, if I'm, if I'm going to do like an isometric walk of some sort where I'm loading my body, um, you know, I, I don't want it to be overbearing to where it affects how I'm walking and, and, you know, my, my steps and everything are going to be all awkward. I want to make sure I have it's, good control. Otherwise it's counterproductive. Right. And I think this is probably as a trainer, the hardest thing that we probably have to deal with, with clients is, you know, you teach a move like this and then you catch people uh, just trying to carry as much as they possibly can. Um, I w- was watching a couple of guys. I forget his I forget his uh, Instagram name, but they were doing they were doing farmer walks and they were just I mean, they were doing them with like carrying like six or seven hundred pounds or whatever. And, you know, people see that and then then they become so uh, in, infatuated with the, the amount of weight that they're carrying across. And it's just it's about more weight, more weight, more weight. Mm-hmm. And really, it's more about how you move first and then you progress the weight. So I think that is important to note when you do a move like that, especially like a suitcase carry where, you know, I can I can carry a. 200 pound dumbbell on one side it'd be awkward as fuck you yeah. know and i wouldn't do that for farmer i wouldn't do that for suitcase carries because i couldn't keep myself controlled like i wouldn't be able to keep myself upright and hold the 200 pound i could do it mm-hmm. but doing it with with good posture while while i'm wa- and walking with a good gait mm-hmm. um I, I think people need to understand that that part of it is as important if not more important than you progressing in the weight well what it's done for me is it's also reinforced this and it's just relatively recent for me if you consider all the years I've been working out where I don't folk I don't think of exercises as uh you know tools Stationary. to cause well no I don't think of exercises as tools to cause damage uh-huh. I think of exercises as things I need to practice mm-hmm. and it's a very different approach like if I think of it of an exercise as a tool to create damage well I'm going in there to hurt my I'm going in there to damage muscle I'm going in there to fuck shit up mm-hmm which is very different than I'm going in there to really get good at this exercise and practice it and do it frequently. And the difference between the two in terms of results is stark. It's stark. It's a stark difference. If I treat the exercises like practice where I'm, you know, it's still a moderate to high level of intensity, but I'm doing it. So I'm perfecting it over and over again. I'm doing it three, four days a week. My strength gains are faster and smoother and I don't have problems like I would if I were just going there to fuck shit up. Yeah. You know, and it really um, hammers at home. The, the holds and the carries really lend themselves well to that. And then I take that and I carry it over to all my other lifts, my squats, my deadlifts, mm-hmm. my overhead presses, where I'm just going in to perfect them. Yeah, I can't wait to, like, once we get a sled, um, it, same concept, like, led me down the same road with, uh, with the holds and the walks. And really it's about strengthening the kinetic chain and how the body – uh, moves and, and adding load appropriately and then adjusting your body appropriately. And so there's a lot of different techniques mm-hmm. and moves you can do with the sled where, 
You know, you're actually moving through this exercise. I just love moving and then also challenging the body in new ways instead of being stationary is why I said that mm. because I, you know, for a long time I thought of a workout as having to be in one place and, and really it's just, it's, it's this weird, like freeing feeling when you start to work out and expand, uh, your range as far as even, uh, what you're doing in the gym and, and, and you're moving with your body with weight. So. Yeah. I mean, think of it as, as uh, as practice, you know what I'm saying? Like, or as a skill, we talked about that in the past, but right. when you treat things like a skill and you need to learn them, your body's going to progress as you get better at that skill versus looking at a workout as, you know, I'm, I'm here to, to create soreness. I'm here to create damage. Yeah. It changes your intention when you work out. And people don't, a lot of people don't understand, but your intention uh, that you go into with your workout has a massive influence mm-hmm. in terms of how you apply the repetitions, the type of intensity you use, um, your form, how you view your workout. You know, if, if I'm going in with the intention of damage, then I'm going to judge my workout based on damage. If I'm going in with the intention of practicing a skill, I'm going to judge it based upon my improvement in my skill. Mm-hmm. Which one is going to yield me better results in the long run? This the skill, yeah. getting better at the skill. Yep. You know, think about anything. If I if I go in to do a handstand and practice, a, I've, I've never done handstands before, but if I go in to, to do a handstand thinking to myself, like, I'm going to hammer my shoulders with this handstand, it's going to be very different than if I go in and try and practice the handstand and learn it. Mm-hmm. Now, over time, that practice will and make scale that- scale it, yeah. And that what'll happen is my shoulders will develop. But if I keep going in there thinking I'm going to hammer my shoulders with this and I haven't even learned the skill very well, yeah. I'm going to get neither. Nor, I'm not going to get a better skill and I'm not going to develop well, my shoulders. Well, really, I mean, it's it's crazy, but it's all about creating patterns. And, and you know, everything, whether it's a neurological pattern, whether it's like a, you know, a specific type of movement pattern, where it's just a type of pattern that's going to promote strength or, you know, we talk a lot about adaptations, but, you know, these are all- patterns you're establishing on a routine basis. And so, you know, you just have to reevaluate what it is that, that, that you're, you're doing and the data that you're accumulating uh, from, from the activity that you're promoting. Well, it's, this is also what we mean by recovery trap too. We, yeah. When we yeah. talk about people, breakdown recovery trap. Yeah. When people get caught in this where they're just, their body is so focused on recovering from getting hammered so much, it never really allows for it to, to adapt and grow and strengthen. So they, it's constantly getting beat up, and I think a, a lot of people do this, and they don't realize they're they're doing this because they're in there. And this is why, too, I used to always speak out on the, you know, beast mode and no days off and that mentality. And it's tough because you you become that guy, and then we get people talk shit, right? We're team no sweat or like, oh, sure. <laughs> you lift like a bunch of pussies. Like, no, I I just lift smart. That's all. I just. I'm not I'm I'm not in a competition to see who can work out the hardest. Like I'm not that's not my my goal is not to prove that I can work out harder than the next person. Like my goal is to come in the gym and really do as little as I possibly can to obtain the physique that I want to walk around in and feel healthy and strong. Like and that's not about it's not about how the workload where people correlate the two of those and they really they really should not be, you know, it's unfortunate. Well, a common thing that people will experience is that and I hear this all the time, all the time. It's just to happen to people that would work out in the gyms that I would manage. Uh, I'll get messages from people about this all the time. And, and this is what happens. They'll be working out for a long time. Then they'll go on a vacation for a week and not work out. And they'll come back stronger. Yeah. Like that's a, 
that's a pretty good sign so that what you were doing sign. before was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right? You shouldn't come back after a long layoff <laughs> performing better. You know what I'm saying? Dude, if you yes. think about it, you should come back if you didn't work out for two weeks and you should have a little bit of a reduction in performance. Not yeah. a not an improvement in performance. Whoa, what is, what is that's that? weird. Yeah, like, uh, like what is that? Wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what was what is that telling you? That telling you that your body needed a fucking break, man. Well, and we're laughing right yeah. now, but let's be honest. What's happened this, to me, dude? This I is know. exactly this is something that this is actually well, the reason why Sal knows that and I can agree with you is because <laughs> I've put myself here many a times and I, this just happened to me uh, maybe six months ago or so where I don't remember what I had. I must have had something where we were traveling or something happened where I actually missed like a good four or five days in a row in the gym, which is very rare for me. It's rare that I miss four consecutive days in the gym. And I had done that and I came back and I was stronger than what I was before I had taken those four days off. And that was like, and that was like this light bulb always goes off in my head. I'm like, oh shit, I was was overdoing it. You know, like I was pushing myself beyond where I needed to be because that's the sign to me that when I finally gave myself four days rest, I come back and I'm in a stronger position. That's not a good sign, you know? So people don't realize that, that that's, that is, it's a great indicator for you've probably been hammering the body a little bit rougher than you need to. Uh, to elicit change, you know? Mm-hmm. <gasps> what? what? He's the- coming already? Today's Quaz is being brought to you by Chimera Coffee. It's the only coffee that is infused with all natural nootropics for a cleaner, calmer, and more focused buzz without the crash. Click the Chimera link at mindpumpmedia.com and input the discount code MINDPUMP at checkout for 10% off. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. Our first question is from ABC3TC. Is free-range meat really that much better? This is. A, I'll tell you why I like this question. Hmm. I think when people start to read about what's healthy for them, uh, the way they should be eating, you know, the foods that they should focus on. I think sometimes uh, people get a little bit uh, confused in terms of the priorities of things that they should be looking at mm. when they're eating, you know, foods in terms of their health. The most important factors, the big bulk of the important things you should look at in considering when you're, when you're considering nutrition for your health starts with calories and macros. Those are the big blocks. Like if you ate a bunch of organic, you know, free range. I'm glad you, you know, went this I'm glad you went this direction. But you're eating like a shit ton of sugar, you're eating a shit ton of calories, your macros are all over the place, you don't have enough proteins or fats or yeah. whatever, your health is gonna be very, very bad. So first things first, you know, get your your calories and macros in order. Mm-hmm. Now this is why this is one of the reasons why the IIFYM crowd. This uh, is what this is their argument they use. This right is their here. argument, yeah. and this is why they won't die. Uh, the problem is they take it to the point where that's all that's important, which is not true either. Um, but it is extremely important. Like you got to get those things down first. So if you're getting into eating properly, look at those things first. Nail those things down first. Mm-hmm. Then start to look at you know is it organic? Is it free range? Right. You know, am I? How can eating? I improve the quality across the board? Yeah, because for two reasons. Number one, there it's definitely important in the long term. I think it's important to eat things that are organic and you know free range, all that stuff in the long term. But if you take your diet, which is shitty, and then your goal now is to eat the right amount of calories, 
start tracking your macros and go organic and free yeah. range and all that stuff. That's a lot of shit to throw at yourself all at once. And the likelihood right. of you staying sticking with that you is just stopping drinking sodas is going to do Thank a you. massive improvement. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and I think that, and this is where you know if it fits your macros, the angle that the argument they try and use with guys like us who talk about the importance of organic food and free range and things like that because we are we are huge advocates of that. But problem is. You argue that with these guys, the IFYM people, and they're going to come back to you and say, well, that's not the problem. The problem we have is, is overconsumption. People are overconsuming you know, calories, and that does far, that's doing way more damage to your body mm-hmm. than having a diet soda or having a chicken that's yeah. not organic. And they're right. They are right. Like that is worse. Like in, like Sal said, you you focus on the big blocks first. You you focus on the things that are going to make the biggest uh, difference. But that doesn't mean that you just totally negate that. Like you just say it doesn't matter because it does matter. Yeah. It does matter. It does make a, a difference, especially in the in long term, right? Because that's the problem with all these studies that the the IFYM people spout off is they're all fucking six months long or shorter. So yeah, if you if you take those guys and you say and you and they tell you like bullshit, it doesn't matter. I have this study that shows these people had this much sugar, which is a ridiculous amount, you know, for six months, and there were no adverse effects. Well, okay, well that was six months. Show me six years or you know sixteen years, because it took me a lot longer than that. Of I mean, I was doing. I told you guys this the other day. I don't know if I mentioned this on the radio. No, when I was like at my worst, and this is when I was a trainer. Okay, I'm a trainer, and I'm having like two rock stars. A day, I'm having a protein bar shake at least one a day, and then and then another like artificial sweetener in my coffee or whatever every single day. And I did that for years and years and years and years. Mm. I didn't. I don't. I'm 35 now. I'm just now in the last probably uh, five years starting to see the adverse effects of that. And it was at 25 or 26 <clears throat> that psoriasis popped up, and at that time. I didn't even know that it could have been caused from all that stuff that I was doing. More than likely, though, now you can put that together that where did this psoriasis, this autoimmune d- disease come from out of nowhere when I'm 25 years old? But shit, it explains a lot when you go back and you look at how many speed stacks and rock store cola, co- yeah. colas and artificial shit that I can't even read the back of the label. All the I, biochemicals you're consuming oh, every single day. T- every- tons and tons of that, which is also why we're so passionate about speaking that to people because I was reading the same bullshit studies that you're reading that when you hear people like Lane Norton and stuff talking about and his and his sidekick that talk a lot about IFYM and you know and they always their argument oh show me a study well I, I don't have a study that shows 15 years of you know what does it look like when you have a Red Bull for every single day for 15 years straight I don't have that study to argue that but I tell you what more and more stuff is coming out showing us on how much it does affect us yeah and you're starting to you can piece together some of the clues like we know you know artificial sweeteners affect uh your your internal gut you know your gut biome your your uh your gut flora we know it influences it we know it changes it fun on a fundamental way so it's not that hard to imagine that you do that for 15 years that you're going to have other side effects affecting you know all all you know kinds of things when it has to do with your health so mm-hmm. that's the that's really the big problem if you want to go with these long long-term studies it's going to take a lot longer i mean Artificial sweeteners and a lot of stuff and the way Americans have been eating now has only been happening for, you know, the last, I don't know, 40, 50 years. We're seeing obesity. Obesity has exploded. Mm. Uh, We're now starting to see autoimmune disease start to explode. 
So I think, you know, in another 20, 30 years, we're going to have more definitive answers when it comes to that kind of stuff. But yeah, all the studies are done. Even a year, look, even a one-year study sounds like a long time. Like, whoa, this one-year study, that's nothing. Yeah. If, you, if you're eating this every single day for 30, 40 years, one year isn't going to show much. You got to look real well, long-term. It's a very term. Slow, slow process. Yeah. Now, that being said, it, you, know, I'll, I'll look, I, you know, I looked up some of the differences between, um, for example, grass-fed beef versus grain-fed beef. Mm. And here's some of the, the, the statistics on that. Um, grass-fed beef has a little bit less uh, total fat than grain-fed uh, grain beef, excuse me. Um, but it has a lot more omega-3 fatty acids and uh, CLA, which CLA is a type of fat that has uh, anti-cancer effects, anti-inflammatory effects, um, and it's got some fat-burning uh, effects. In fact, uh, it's actually sold as a supplement. Uh, because of that. Now, I don't think you should take it as a supplement, but if you eat beef that's got more CLA versus beef that doesn't, it's probably better for you. You simplify that because let me tell you something. That's something that I you know, I learned later on how important that is right there because it's, especially if we eat a, a diet that's rich in carbohydrates, you're mm-hmm. already in balance as it is. And then you go to get meat thinking that your meat's going to yeah. balance your omegas out, but then you don't realize when you're eating this. Yeah. Gra- this your this, meat, it, it affects like what they're eating affects you too. Because yes. that's all coming down. It changes the, the profile, chain. and yeah. the, and you're not getting the same. Yeah, if you eat red meat every single day, or let's say you eat it, you know, three days a week, and you do this for ten years, will it make a difference to eat grass fed that has higher omega three fatty acids and some more CLA in it? Yeah, it will after a while. Uh, but right now, you should focus on calories and macros. That's what we're saying. Uh, it also, for example, grass-fed beef also is more nutritious. It's got more vitamin A, vitamin E. It's got more micronutrients like potassium, iron, zinc, phosphorus, and some and more sodium. So overall, it's a healthier type of meat. But again, the the priority, if you're getting started with this, is learning your body and understanding calories and macros. Once you really start to get that down, then start to break it down even further to improve your nutrition from that point. And it is a long process. I don't I want you to understand like don't be frustrated with yourself if after 3 months, you know, you're still not perfect. Mm. It takes a long time. You know, eating the eating, you know, I mean, if you're like 25 years old, well you've been eating shitty for most of your life. You ain't going to erase that in 3 months, you know. Give yourself a chance like like Justin said, just like eliminate soda. Start with that and yeah. then okay, I'm going to double my servings of vegetables now for the next However long that and make that consistent. Okay, I've got that down. Mm-hmm. Next, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna cut my sugar intake in half, and then stick with that for a while. Ooh, that works. And now, well, you know, a, one step by step. Yeah, it's long lasting effect that way. It's something that you know, it, it if you creep that in and it becomes something that's just part of your process, <laughs> then that becomes the lifestyle changing effect instead of like the fixer. Like everybody wants to get the immediate fixer. Let's just scale it. Scale it. Like start small. You know, something that you won't even really notice is is different. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we know that too. We know as trainers that the reason for that is because we need them to be consistent with something for long enough so they can actually finally see the change or feel the change because they made this decision. And it's not an overnight thing. So, right. you know, I think sometimes when, uh, you know, people get bombarded with, you know, this, 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 all these things they have to change. It's so drastic that it's short lived and it's even more short lived when people don't see like these quick results that they're expecting, they're expecting right away from it. Right. So, you know, I can't stress enough how important it is that when, when we talk about eating, eating healthier, eating better, that it is, it's, it's a lifestyle thing. We should always be striving to, are we perfect? No, I mean, hardly, I, very few people, 
eat really, really perfect all the time. I know I most certainly do not, but you better believe that I'm aware of that and that I'm always striving to make better choices because I know how it affects my health. You, you know, this reminds me of, uh, I actually had a, a friend of mine who um, was so proud and told me, hey, I switched my kids' uh, treats to organic. And, and I was like, oh, you know, what do you mean by that? Like, oh, I don't buy, I don't buy, you know, the, the, the regular cookies anymore. I bought these organic ones. And, <laughs> and it's like, well, I mean, you know, you laugh, but I think uh, a lot of people do that. I know. Go to, dude, go to Whole Foods. At and that point, it's an, just a label. There is an entire yeah, I mean, section. It's just marketing. There's huge aisles filled with, yeah. you know, cookies and candies and shit that are organic. Well, well that, that's what I do see out of this question, too, is like the... Well, you know, the skepticism is, is this just marketing? Is this just a ploy to get us to buy something that's more expensive? You know, like, and I could see that point because there is those shitty companies out there that will slap organic on whatever it is, a cookie or ice cream or, you know, or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, well, who cares? You know, it's still like shitty It's still for a you. fucking cookie. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's where I remember when we, I think we kind of got, I don't remember if this was on air or off air when we were kind of getting in a debate with Joe D about his whole, you know, his theory on organic and how it's just like, oh, they, you know, it, it, the regulations to even become considered organic are so close to shit yeah. anyway. So how can you even say it's a difference and yada, yada, and, you know, and that's really, that's the system. And you know what I'm saying? That there's a system again, trying to manipulate and make a buck. And mm. there absolutely is that, but. Yeah, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I was told this by somebody, I need to confirm it, but organic doesn't necessarily mean all organic. It means like the ingredients in the product need to be like 80% mm. organic or whatever. I mean, I know there's some there's some serious leeway on it. Yeah, it's not going to be perfect. It's we're obviously dealing with a system that's highly corruptible and highly influenced. But it's another layer of protection. And here's the other thing too: you got to remember this. Every time you buy something, you are voting for whatever you're buying. So anytime you give that product money or dollars, you are saying to the market, "I want more of this." Every single time it's a vote, every every single day. So if you want more, if you want organic to be a larger piece of the market, if you want more companies coming forward and fighting for better organic, and what I mean by that is, let's say organic becomes a huge, it's already a big market, but let's just say it becomes the market, like most foods become organic. Mm. What's going to happen is you're going to have companies that are going to compete for who's more organic. Right, and you're gonna have hel- com- even more healthy. You're yeah, going yeah, yeah. you're gonna, you're gonna to have companies to that, that are more transparent, and they're going to say, well, our company I has- a video. You can see it grow live. <laughs> and that's my point. So when, yeah. you, when you give them that money, you are voting for that with your dollars, and you are making that a larger market. And so consider that as well. So every time you buy something, think about, do I want more of this or do I want less of this? If I want less of this, I'm not going to give them money. If I want more of this, I'm going to give them money. I vote yes. Great point. Next question, Art of April. What's the best way for a woman to get better at push-ups? So this is a common question I get from women. I always get the, how do I get better at pull-ups and how do I get better at push-ups? Uh-huh. And it's always from coming, typically coming from women. And uh, n- number one, uh, obviously, women are at a you know genetic disadvantage when it comes to upper body strength. So, push-ups and pull-ups from a body weight, you know, pound for pound perspective, tend to be more difficult. But the the answer to this question is the same answer that I would give a man. It really doesn't matter if you're a man or woman. The way you get better at push-ups is the way you get better at push-ups. And the best way, honestly. Uh, to get better at doing an exercise is to practice that exercise a lot. Mm-hmm. However, it doesn't mean you should hammer yourself with no. that exercise. So the worst way to get better at push-ups, besides not doing them at all, 
is to do them and just beat yourself up and go to failure doing push-ups. I know a lot of people do that. Like, oh, yeah. I, I want to get better push-ups, so I'm just going to hammer myself with them. The best way is to get into a position where you're doing a push-up with good form. So if you can't do a full push-up off your feet, then maybe do it off your knees. If that's still too difficult, elevate your body. So maybe do it off a table or something like that. Yeah. And just practice them throughout the day. You're not even working out. You're literally doing, let's say your max push-ups is 10. Like 10 is failure. Uh, every time you, you know, maybe every every other hour, do like one or two push-ups off the, you know, uh, just one or two, just practice doing it. And you will notice within a matter of days that that one or two becomes easier and you'll be able to do three and you'll be able to do four. It's one of the fastest ways I've ever yeah, seen I people mean, get stronger. You're promoting, like we talked about earlier, you're promoting a, a pattern and, and you're teaching your body the sequence of firing that needs to happen in order to be able to develop the strength to overcome and press your body up off the ground. So um, it it really just comes with with frequency and um, discipline and and keeping that involved in your your daily habits. But, you know, there's obviously a, a scaled approach as well. So, you know, if, um, if you want to work on depth or if you want to work on um, you know, other techniques where, um, you're in an isometric hold or something where you can, where you can build up a louder signal for you. Uh, I suggest, you know, working on that as well. Um, uh, that, that will really help you to, to be able to gather and recruit, uh, muscle fibers to get involved. Yeah. So a good technique I learned a long time ago with pushups that I found at the time fascinating, but now it makes perfect sense. Now that I know more about how the C- the central nervous system works better when it's all uh, activated versus when you're not really calling upon it, um, is this with push-ups. Try this. When you get into your push-up position, before you do your push-up, grip the floor with your hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're obviously not going to be able to grab the floor, but the act of tensing your hands and yeah, squeezing, squeezing the floor. your fingers and then the And then on top of that, without moving your hands, create uh, external rotation. What I mean by is sp- while your hands are on the floor, try to spiral them spin out. Them out yeah. yeah, but don't actually spin them out. Just create that tension where you're kind of right. twisting them out and gripping the floor. You'll activate your muscles in a much more effective way and you'll be able to squeeze out more push-ups. Mm-hmm. It's actually a pretty effective technique that, I, done that, that, yeah. I, yeah, that I tried. You know, uh, I would, <clears throat> a tip I would give, um, just because I think most women, Sal's right, I mean, the... the how you would get a man or a woman better at push-ups is exactly the same. But what I have found more common with my women, and a lot of times, especially like a, a big breasted woman. All my ladies. Uh, her, <laughs> All my ladies got big too. <laughs> her shoulders are excessively rounded forward. So she suffers from upper cross syndrome. So she's really rounded forward and she's already weak in the push-up department. So then she goes to do a push-up and she's all deltoid and she can't get deeper than 90 degrees. And then her way of trying to do better push-ups is she does these piked looking mm. uh, shoulder pushes and never really gets the chest activated involved. So a tip that I would do um, that's been very successful for uh, teaching clients how to activate their chest is I will do push-ups from your knees um, and then you'll do hand releases so you'll actually come oh, all the way to the floor. Mm-hmm. When you get your chest, everything's on the floor. You actually release your hand. When you release your hands, it, it forces you to squeeze your scapula back. So you pull the scapula back, and then you push off the ground. So when you say release your hands, you mean I'm laying on my chest now. I'm taking my hands off the floor. And you basically so lift your hands off yeah, you the floor. Yeah, lift your hands and just lay on the floor and push squeeze them, them back. back down. And yeah. then do okay. yes. come up. So you come all the way down the floor, release your hands, or retract your shoulders to where your hands come up off the ground. 
mm-hmm. and then you push off again. Yeah, I like that. Uh, great, great move. Um, and then you just got to make sure that you keep strict form. So when you when you do that, you're not just muscling yourself up. Mm. And that's why you start on your knees. I, if even if you can do two or three push ups on your toes, I would still take you to your knees and make you do these. I, Until you start to get that, that recruitment pattern down really well where you're you're getting the concept of retracting the shoulders and pressing with the chest and not your shoulders. Uh, and this has helped many, many clients of mine uh, develop a stronger chest or a better connection more so than a stronger, you know, so that's I'm where they're pretty lying. sure, and I think I might have heard this on Joe Rogan's show, but um, they were talking about this as far as like how much weight that actually is, like a body weight. Uh, push up. Yeah. And they're talking somewhere around like 62, 63% of your body weight that you're actually pressing up, mm. something like that. So that, I thought that was interesting because if you actually put it into perspective as far as like pounds that you're, that you're pressing up, so you can kind of. A little more than half your body weight. Yeah. A little so bit if you're more. 140 pounds, you're, you're 70, 80 pounds, you're pressing up. Yeah. Right, basically. Mo- most everybody I know that struggles with this though, it's, it's more of a technique thing, right? And getting the right muscles to fire because. Your 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 chest is is a big strong muscle, um, but it's normally kind of put to sleep because of the way we have rounded shoulders and our shoulders become so dominant in pushing movements. So, getting that into a position that's an exercise I, I find super beneficial. Also, try warming your your back up first. So I'll take some bands. And I'll actually do a bunch of like kind of explosive rows with like a real like a real light band just to wake up and get the shoulders retracted, firing all those muscles, your traps, rhomboids. So now you can pull the scapula back. Do that first, then go into those uh, hand release push ups. Guarantee you'll feel it in your chest more than you ever but felt. But you're before. right. You're definitely right about like the larger breasts being a, being oh, yeah. a factor because it's. You know, like the the rounded shoulders and, and just the the overall factor of like always being in a protracted position and then you know not having that confident back, um, you know retraction and 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 getting that that scapular retraction. That's especially true with uh, augmentation, breast augmentation. Is when they put the implant below the pec muscle, you are uh, in essence causing the pec muscle to pull the shoulders forward a little bit because now you're something underneath it, you know, mm-hmm. lifting that pec. And a, you know, somewhat, not super common, but if you're going to have a side effect of augmentation, you can get encapsulation, which is, you know, hardening tissue around the implant. And that then pulls the shoulders even further forward. In fact, I would say the pretty much the majority, a decent majority of the women that I've trained that have augmentation have shoulder recruitment pattern issues. Mm -hmm. And I can usually link it back to the fact that they got the implant, number one, because they had to recover, so they're bandaged up and then they're put in this position. Then they have to you know, get used to this tighter pec. That changes the recruitment pattern. And if they don't do the right exercises afterwards, now they've created this kind of permanent you know, recruitment pattern that contributes to forward shoulder, shoulder impingement. Well, especially because the doctors normally tell them to stay away from exercises for a long right. time, and then they typically they stay away. They to rip or tear. Yeah, so they the- stay away from that area for a while, and that's all it takes, man. You're right. I mean, you couldn't be more yeah. right when it comes to that, for sure. One more thing. Uh, a lot of times with push-ups, I see a breakdown in core stability. So you know this if you're doing a push-up and your body is not rigid it sags like a plank. Yeah. You notice this. I, I call them Ron Jeremy push-ups where they go down, their <laughs> hips dip, and they come up. Looks like they're having oh, sex with the floor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, if your body isn't like rigid, 
the entire time. And if you're in this like crazy anterior pelvic tilt where your butt, you have this strong arch in your low back and your butt is sticking up, mm. you have poor uh, core stability in your push-up and that will contribute to your inability to do lots of push-ups. So uh, brace your core, you know, brace your stomach like someone's going to hit you in the, in the gut and so you kind of tighten it. Grip the floor, mm. spiral your hands against the floor, but don't actually move them. Stay real tight. Um, and then do your push-ups and even practice the, the hand release. And I think, and then of course, lots of practice, right. not tons of intensity, just lots of practice daily. And within a matter of weeks, you should be able to see a pretty good, yeah. big improvement. The more attention you promote, the better. Cordy Elizabeth, do you have to count macros and calories if you eat clean? Is fat loss still possible? It's like a trick question here. <laughs> it is because here's the thing about, I know we talk a lot, especially mm-hmm. me, I talk a lot about you know, listening to your body, eating intuitively, not needing to count macros and calories. But it took me a long time to get here. And the vast majority of the people listening right now who have never counted calories or never counted macros has zero idea mm-hmm. how many macros. Their guess is going to be so off. In fact, I have yet to ever work with anybody who guesses anywhere near the real amount of food that they eat and the real amount, you know, the real breakdown of macros. Every single time I'll ask people, how many calories do you think you eat? And it's always like, oh, you know, probably about 1,700 or probably around 2,000 or 2,500. And then we'll add it up and it's like, well, you're 30% off. And that's calories. Forget macros. You ask people, how many grams of protein do you eat or how many grams of carbs or how many grams? Zero, zero concept. Yeah. So I think step one is learning that. You have to, in the, in the beginning, the fastest way to intuitive eating and eating clean and healthy according to how your body responds to food, the fastest way to get there, the best way to get there is step one, counting and tracking. actually tracking. Yeah. Because you, before you can get to that whole, you know, there's those, those four stages of learning mm. we've talked about before. Before you can get to the unconscious, uh, the unconscious competence stage, this is kind of the zone where you're just not even thinking about. It. You're just, mm-hmm. you're just, you know, it's just natural, just coming to you naturally. You're eating properly, and not even have to worry about it. Before you can get to that point, you have to become conscious of what you're putting in your mouth. You have to make yourself aware, and the only way to do this is to track. Yeah. So uh, if you're at the point where you're fucking great, man, you're listening to the signals of your body, you eat according to them, and everything's just flowing and Everything's great and you know health is great and you're, you're relatively lean and you've been doing this for a long time. You, yeah, you, you don't probably don't, you probably don't need to track calories and macros to get leaner. You just kind of listen to your body and, and do it, go accordingly. But for most people, you're not there. You're not even close to there. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I feel like it needs to come from you because you are the one who talks a lot about intuitive eating and I, and I stress highly that counting, counting your macro, and I hate calling it macros, tracking your food and what you're intaking I think is is so important. Um, I think learning your body and learning uh, nutrition is every bit as mm-hmm. challenging as learning a language. And just because you know some a few verbs and adjectives, I don't think you would feel confident with going up and standing on a stage and giving a speech in a language that you're not super familiar with. So think of it the same way when you're you're learning about nutrition and food. And what you should be consuming, to whether whether it be get to a goal or maintain uh, where you're currently at, that takes some time. And well, that, that's just the learning process of that alone. Not to mention, like you learning how it affects you, right? Personally, that's a whole nother subject matter. 
That's that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not as simple as just get okay. You know, you feel like, oh, I understand what a fat is. I understand what a carb is. I know these are bad. I know these are good. You know, those are all the. That's the basics. I mean, you just you just went through basic English. You know, you just learned bare, barely learning the language now. Like you, there's so much more to learn and how it affects your own personal body. And that just, that takes tracking or else it's a guess every time, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not, if you don't, if I don't track, like the way I found out how certain carbs affect my body is because I was tracking because I was tracking and I said, oh, wow, look at this. When I eat like this, I get inflamed like that. When I don't get enough of this, I feel like this. When I do all this, I feel like that. But I, I wouldn't know, I, I wouldn't know that unless I was tracking. And P, and I, and I can't stand when. And Sal will tell you when we first got together, we were doing this a lot. I would give him shit all the time because he would be like, "Oh, I did this, you know, I feel this," and, and I'd be like, "Well, are you tracking? Let me see." And he's like, "No." I'm like, oh, "Then I'm not going to believe you. I can't take your word for it. I don't care how knowledgeable you are, but if you didn't track it and you didn't, and then how it's, do I? It's know? hard to believe I'm this awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's somebody. If there's anybody who could do that, he would be the man because of how long he's been doing this for and i still give him shit that dude you gotta you gotta if you're gonna sell me on this new food or this way of eating is affecting you in this way i want to look at numbers i want to look at okay show it to me show me how many days in a row you ate that many carbohydrates or how many days in a row your fat was that high and then let's talk about these things that you think you're feeling in a direct correlation with those foods and if you don't have it tracked then you you don't know. You don't know for sure. Well, then you're always going to be a passenger. And I think that's why we always stress the point of like being dependent on somebody else's plan for you or somebody else's prescriptive, uh, you know, macro account or, you know, somebody like, no, you shouldn't be relying on somebody else to provide that information for you. You should be researching that. And that's why we create guides. That's, I mean, we stress that all the time, but that's why, you know, the, the reason and the why is for you to do the work because you're only going to be successful if it applies to you. And, you know, like you can work with a professional that can help you figure that out for sure. And I suggest that you do that, but you have to do the work and avoiding the work is just going to create uh, a temporary a temporary thing at best. Yeah, and my, my thing with macros has always been this, is that it is a very important first step. Very, very important. If you're just getting started with this and you've never ma- counted before and you really don't have a, an idea of what your food looks like from a you know, proteins, fats, and carbs, and calories uh, standpoint, then you need to figure that out. However, once you start to figure that out, it can lead you into uh, some some pitfalls. It can lead you to this extreme control issue when it comes to food. It can lead to, uh, uh, you know, bad relationships with food. In fact, that's very common amongst the people who are in the fitness industry, especially people who compete uh, based on their physique. You know, people in, in you know, in Adam's, uh, you know, kind of Adam's peers, a lot of them, if not most of them, have a very poor relationship with food and they count macros and calories all the time and they use it to this, it becomes this uh, obsessive thing where it has to be within this specific parameters and it becomes this control thing and that's not where you want to end up. You want to you use this tool, you want to get a good idea of where you need to go, you want to master it. But then you want to progress beyond it because then you've stopped. You've stopped mm-hmm. yourself from the panacea, from the ultimate goal, which is, and I'm telling you, I say this all the time and people probably laugh and think, oh, that sounds you know, foo-foo. But I'm telling you, when you finally get to the point 
where you eat intuitively mm-hmm. and it's not an issue. It's not something you need, you need to sit there and track and write everything down, but you're doing it right in the signals. You've listened now to the signals of your body. You've now connected the dots between foods and all the different thing, you know, signals that your body tells you. When you get to that point, it is a wonderful place to be at. It is effortless. It's freedom and flexibility. Bro, it's everything you want. Bro, for the for the first time in my life, and getting lean for me was never hard in the sense that um, I couldn't do it because I knew what I had to do to get there, right? But it's never been on uh, like a side effect. Like, I've, like I, I walk around lean all the time and I don't have to, it's not something I think about. It's not even, it's not even something that's in the, not even the back of my mind. It's just not there at all. It's a side effect. It's never been like that for me before. It used to be in order to walk around at 8% body fat, I had to really pay attention. I had to kind of pay attention to what I was doing and it took work. Yeah. Sacrifice and work and focus. None of that. None of that. There's none of that now. It's just, that's just the way I look now. Like I walk around this lane and just it's this is my natural uh, body fat percentage. That is a very good place to be. So and that's where you want to get to, but it takes a long time to get there. And the first step is understanding and really understanding calories and macros and what is in food. And then once you learn that, once you really get that, uh, you, your goal is to progress from there because if you get stuck there. That's not ideal. Then it becomes this control thing. It becomes this bad relationship to food. And you don't want to get stuck there because I've seen people who are stuck there and they may be a little better off than the person who knows nothing, but they're not that much well off. Yeah. Yeah, no. You know, but here's the thing too with this. Like I I have no patience with people that, that aren't willing to do this because shit is so fucking easy now. I mean, oh, you got so many. Tools. When I had, when I first started tracking, you, yeah. I would write on my little piece of paper or journal I had. Then I had to go home and open up my nutrition book. Then I had to go individually look at each one of the foods that I consumed and the weight of it. And then I had to go over if I, because now, and apps, God forbid, you eat at a restaurant. Oh, that was yeah. impossible. Oh, right. right? I mean, even give that information. Now you have apps like My Fitness Pal and Fat Secret that literally, before you finish typing what you're consuming, it fucking populates for you, and yeah. then it calculates. And then it breaks down all the macro and micronutrients and sodium. I mean, yeah. it literally like could not make it any easier for you to track and figure things out. I mean, before I understood, I got it, man. Like 10 years ago, ask a client to track their own food. And it's like, Jesus, like you're asking them to go to school. You know what I'm saying? On top of their long work day and raising their kids. Like that's crazy to me. But now... I mean, you could literally be eating one in one hand and and uploading what you're consuming in the other hand at the same time. And it's literally that easy. So do yourself a favor and start doing that. And you'll start connecting the dots, especially if you listen to the show, because we constantly talk about these things. And I will tell you what, uh, you know, once you get that down and you start to move beyond that, like I'm talking about. It's pretty interesting. You know, there's someone I'm working with. In fact, right now, I just started, uh, uh, you know, online uh, coaching someone and she was telling me how she has digestive issues and some bloating. And, and I said, well, when do you notice this? And she's like, well, in the morning, uh, you know, after I have my, you know, chia seed, hemp protein and a couple other things shake. And so I said, well, have you, cons-? And she's like, but it's really healthy. So well, have you considered that it's probably not right for you if it's causing <laughs> bloating, but you know, and, she, and here's the thing, she's in the fitness industry, but she never connected that. And you you can hear her on the phone being like, Oh yeah, like I guess there's something in that that my body doesn't like. And that's the next step. That's the next step is making those connections. Once you get to that point, it's a whole nother world of learning. But once you're done, once you once you kind of graduate from there, man, great place to be. Oh, yeah. 
Juan Martinez 9966. What is the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you on a date? Oh, jeez. <laughs> what? Yeah. What are those? You guys got to go first. I what? just started dating, so I don't know. I mean, no, bro. You have to go first because you're the one that put this up there on the board. So yeah, you, yeah, you guys have so many dating stories, I'm sure. Oh, my God. I was married yeah, I for 15 years, and now, I'm, now I have a girlfriend, so... A date, a most embarrassing thing. I can tell you most what's what happened. It's not that funny, but it's kind of a little bit, not embarrassing, but more like, oh, fuck. Like, so I, I, I have a lot of family that lives in this, in this relatively same area that I live in, that I've grown up in, right? In the San Jose area. So odds are, if I'm going to go places, especially if it's a mall or something like that, I'm going to run into someone that I know, family or whatever. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm been divorced now for, it's going to be almost a year coming up here in December and, but there's a lot of cousins and stuff that I haven't talked to. I don't see these people super regularly and we don't really talk about this kind of stuff and it's not like this big, you know, this big thing that I'm posting all over Facebook, but you know, I'm at the mall yesterday. I'm with my kids and you know, my girlfriend and we're walking around and then, Oh, there's some fucking cousins I haven't seen for a while and <laughs> you should see the looks on their faces. They're like, huh? uh, like scratching their head. Who's that girl that you're with? We don't, that's not your wife. Cause they didn't, you know, I don't think they knew. Yeah. And that's a really, uh, I'm sure people who are listening right now who are divorced, who've been, who are married for a while. I'm sure they kind of, especially from a far, when you're from a small town, it's kind of weird, man. Yeah. Walking around having people like, yeah, I'm sure that, people like they're looking at you like, who's that? You know, right. gotta be kind of awkward. Super awkward. I don't know if it's embarrassing now. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think of an embarrassing, embarrassing one yes. right now. I I just shared a story. So Katrina, and I, uh, every now and uh, every now and then, her and I will sit down and like share old relationship stories, and it's one of my favorite with things. each other. Yeah, with each other. That's one of my favorite things to do with her. We've been together for six years. Like one time, I was banging yeah. this girl super hard. And yeah, then- she is someone I could <laughs> actually up. I could actually tell okay, her weird stuff like far. that. Yeah, we do talk about weird stuff like that. So. We, I mean, we got, we met each other at 30, right? So we started dating when, when I was 30 years old. So, I mean, I had a, a quite a bit of dating and, and crazy girlfriends leading up to her. And we always talk you about- You definitely have had some crazy girlfriends. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> this, I, I'll share a crazy story or a crazy girlfriend story since that's what I just shared with her. And that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of this, because I can't think of a crazy, embarrassing one. So I'll give you guys a, a crazy story. So I dated this girl when I was like uh, around 25, 26-ish. So I had had my house for about five years. And she was a traveling nurse and she used to work the crazy uh, late night shifts. Right. And then she would be home during the day. Well, after we've been dating for a while, you know, uh, you know how it works. Like we didn't officially move in, but she left her toothbrush and then she left an overnight bag and then overnight bag turns into part of my closet. Next thing you know, she's there. Right. So that's kind of was like my MO when I was younger and had my place. And she's now in my place. We've been together for, I don't know, probably at this time, close to a close to a year. And she, it's the first time that I am at work and she's at home all day because she worked the night before and it's the first time she's in my house and I'm not there. So I come home and I'll never forget coming home and she's standing at the, uh, the as soon as I open my front door, Justin knows what it looks like. As soon as I open, there's my, my kitchen counter right there and she's standing and she has the, the, the bitch stance, right? That it, <laughs> you know, right with posture. The, yeah. Right. The hips, the one, the one mm. foot turned yes, out a little bit. Yes. But, yeah. One foot's kicked out. What the, is that? That's like a universal. It like, is, a, oh, it, fuck it, it is like power move. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a power stance. So instantly I'm on the defense. As soon as I walk in, I can see this and she's <laughs> leaning on the counter, hip cocked out and the, the look right already. And it looks like she's been crying, angry, probably talking to her friends and shit. Mm. And I walk up to her, and, and they all... never make your friend. The friends never make her feel better. They only <laughs> oh, make her worse. Of course, they fire her up more, right? <laughs> probably get in her head. So she, um, she is on the counter. There is a condom wrapper. Oh. There is a hair tie, and there is one booty sock. 
And she's looking at me and she says, what the fuck is this? And I go, uh, a, a booty sock, a hair tie, and a condom wrapper. Justin left it. She goes, yeah, yeah man. <laughs> I was just visiting. She goes, uh, what are these doing underneath your bed? And I go, oh, shit. Uh, I don't know. I'm like, and then it like dawned on me. I said, what are you doing underneath my bed? <laughs> and she goes, I was cleaning the house. I hide there. Right. She tells me she's cleaning the house. And at that moment, she says she, she cleaned the house and she was under, that's how she found this stuff under my bed. I look to my left and there's a stack of dishes in the sink. And I look back at her and I say, wait a second, you decided that this, you were going to clean my house for the first time and you started underneath my bed and you didn't make it to the kitchen? <laughs> Explain that to me. I bet that, that you know, Adam, yeah, you, that, I don't think that, that went one, over well. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you were being very effective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These are my early, early years. Like, I, got, hey, I was a better uh, communicator later on. Yeah. You're like, hey, babe, listen, uh, just next time start in the kitchen, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> well, that's where you belong. But really, though, this was that this yeah. was that first sign to me that she's a little bit crazy because I'm thinking to myself, like that in her head, that probably seemed logical answer to me, knowing that I'd probably ask ask her how did you find that under my bed and she'd be like i'll just tell the motherfucker i was cleaning the house and then he'll feel even more like an asshole but i'm looking over <laughs> at a stack of dishes on my sink and i'm going like i don't know if i'm gonna clean a house i'm probably gonna start on the kitchen sink before i work my way to the master bedroom underneath a bed and i look back at her and i say you know i'm 25 years old i've had my own place since i was 20 i can't tell you the last time i cleaned underneath my bed <laughs> so i can't tell you who that booty sock is i can't tell yeah, you who right? that condom wrapper goes to and i can't tell you who that hair ties for all i know they're all from you i said but if they're not from you i don't know who the fuck they are from because and they could be from a whole different lot of people in the last five years I've had parties yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that should have been you know what and i stayed i think we dated for another six or eight months and uh, later on people told me all kinds of other crazy stories but that was part of my learning process of, uh, you know, when you see a sign like that early on in a relationship, you're supposed to like, that should be a sign and you get out. Instead, for me, you know, I stayed in it much longer, learned the hard when way. they're checking on. your shit. Yeah, yeah, of course. She ended up being one of those crazy ones that did all that stuff. And uh, I, one of my trainers told me that and people come to you afterwards, right? They, the girl's no longer in your relationship. Oh, I always wanted and, to tell you. And then you shit. tell them, you tell them like how crazy she was and like, oh my God, you know. She, I'll never forget when I was, I had a trainer, my trainer was training her and he goes, you know, one time uh, we were in the middle of a set in the, in the gym and she just fucking bolted out of the gym and ran outside in the parking lot in the yeah. middle of our session. And then she comes back and she's frantic and she's like, where's Adam? And he's like, I don't know. He probably went on his lunch break. His car's not in the parking lot. And he's like, man, he's like, it was so weird. And then she didn't realize that you would park somewhere else in the parking lot. And he was like, Really? Like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? And she ended up buying him lunch to keep his mouth shut and never tell me. And, I'm, and I had all these stories that started coming up later on. I thought, man, you guys are fucked up, dude. Like, if you got, if I got a crazy bitch, you got to tell me, dude. So, but I should have known better anyways because I saw that sign. Hold earlier. on a second. Wait. How was the sex? Yeah. Well, of course, it's good. Yeah. It's always. <laughs> it's how crazy they are. Crazy the ones. That's also another sign to all you guys, too. Just because it's amazing sex doesn't mean it's the right one either, too. Uh, Damn it. I was trying to think of something that won't get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Here's as PG as I can go. Um, so I actually have, it wasn't even somebody I was dating. So this is the awkward part. Um, I was at work in, um, dude, restaurants. Can I just tell you restaurants? Like, 
it's a crazy place to work. Like everybody hooks up. That's what I heard, man. Oh, it's it's crazy, man. It's it literally like. But it's like a gym. Gyms are like that. Yeah, it's just like a gym. I guess I've been like that's all of my work environments. What does that say about me? <laughs> yeah. And then your uh, wife is a nurse, which is the other high. Yeah, level. exactly. You know, that, yeah, like yeah. Hosp- I pretend gym. to be a doctor a lot. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> No, like, so this one girl, she just, she just got hired. Dr. Felter snatched. Yeah. I mean, she was, she was attractive and all, and she, you know, she had something going for her. Um, and we, like, we just finished work and I was bartending at the time. And so, and I was closing up shop and like a couple of people wanted to go out after work and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, we'll go out to work, grab a drink, whatever. And like, we, we hung out at this bar and we all had a couple of drinks and, and, uh, you know, people started seeing karaoke, all the stuff and like, you know one thing to the other, I end up making out with this girl. Right. And, uh, the next day at work, um, you know, I didn't go back to her place, you know, nothing happened. It was, wasn't like anything like, I don't know. I didn't take it anywhere. And the next day, like at work, I, I'm, I'm cleaning, I'm getting ready for the bar, like getting ready for the day. And this girl comes in with her dad and she starts coming up and she's introducing me as like her new boyfriend. And all this stuff and like, you know, going off about oh, like how great shit. I am and all this shit. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, bitch, I just made out with you. And now we're dating? Like, what the fuck? I, I must have missed that one. You know? And so she just kept going, parading on and on that like, that you could- know, I'm her brand new boyfriend and that she's so happy. And I'm like, yeah, hi. And I've like had to shake her dad's hand and everything. And oh, I'm that's just, hilarious. Like, oh, my God, it was so awkward. That kind of falls You're in. such a jerk. That falls in the category of crazy girl with me. Bro, I, think, <laughs> I think you and Tell I. Tell me I, that's not crazy. That is crazy. It, it is, it is crazy, but yeah. I feel bad for her. I, come on, man! <laughs> another, another girl. She that, moved on. Another she, girl. She did the, it's like the same thing to one of my other friends. Uh-huh. So she she's left little, in the left ugh. in the wake of Justin's damage. Hey, man! Yeah, there's a lot of girls out there. You can have there. that. You can have that. A lot of broken hearts out there, Justin. Yeah. What can I say? <laughs> I, I, I hate to say it. Man. Yeah, I, I have a. This isn't really an embarrassing date story. I don't know why I thought of this story, but I had a. <laughs> I was working at a gym, and uh, my 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 buddy was the manager. And he used to have this girl that would show up. And now this is back in the day. You guys know this. Back in the 90s, you know, the late 90s in the, in the gym industry, especially where we worked, it was, uh, it was a little wild west. You know what I'm saying? Like shit happened, and it it wasn't there wasn't. I like how you're setting the table for this. There wasn't an HR department. Like it was. You know what I mean? Like shit happened in the gym, and if you produced numbers, less regulated. Yeah, Yeah. if you if you hit up big numbers and you did well, and you know your members were happy, kind of turned a blind eye. Everybody got yeah, exactly. (laughs) Some code. So my buddy, my my buddy used to have this girl would come visit him, and he'd go in his office and he'd close the door. And um, he's, you know, probably having sex with her in there. And he would do this, you know, at lunchtime or whatever. She'd show up, go in there, and, you know, 30 minutes later, she'd walk out, and her hair would be all dis- disheveled or whatever. <laughs> and I knew he would, you know, having sex with this girl. And, you know, a couple times I needed, like, a membership agreement or something, and I'd bang on the door. And, you know, he'd kind of open a, open it like a crack and, like, throw the agreement through the door and close the door because he knew what he was doing. But I had his back, and it was all good, and we were, we were good friends. Well, I guess he was in there, and he was having sex with this girl, and, um, you know, he finished or whatever and he used, there was just this sweater that was on the floor <laughs> that was just on the floor, on his floor. Oh, no. And he, he picked it up and just wiped himself off. Now, uh, this was, this sweater belonged to this one fucking trainer <laughs> who used to leave his shit everywhere. 
And he, we used to rag, we used to hammer him like, bro, don't leave your fucking sweaters yeah. and sweats and socks and shit. Well, all now over, you see what happens. All over the gym, dude. This is not your office. Don't leave it on the floor. It's not your fucking room. Pick it up, put it in your bag, take it home. Like, stop being an asshole, right? But he never listened. He would just fucking throw his shit everywhere and whatever. <laughs> so it was there. My buddy just wiped off his splooge and threw it back on the floor. <laughs> Next thing you know, dude, like an hour later, right? <laughs> he put it on. And he didn't even think about it. Like, he didn't even think about it. He's like, and he just forgot all about it, right? So next thing uh, you know, me and my buddy are out there, you know, me and this guy uh, are out there working out, right? Yeah. And in comes, into the workout area comes the fucking trainer wearing the sweater. <laughs> now, I oh had no God. idea. I had no idea that this had happened. So my buddy's like, he looks at me and he goes, oh, fuck. And he hits me with his elbow and he goes, look at the back of the sweater. So as he like walks by, there's like this big, this big like wet spot on the back of it, oh. and I'm like, what is? It? I'm like, what is that? And he goes, it's my cum. I'm like, oh. I'm like what? He's like, I, I, used, I used it to to wipe off my splooge. It was on the floor. I didn't know it was him. Oh, no. So we were fucking dying, and we never told him yeah. ever. Yeah, you can't till now ever. And this guy, yeah, you know who you are. And this guy, he was such a cocky, loudmouth as trainer, but he was a good producer. You know, he was a good producer. He was a decent trainer, but he's just. Fucking cocky, loudmouth. Every single time he get all cocky, and I'm the best, and blah blah blah. Me and my buddy would look at each other like, "You had you, yeah, you had yeah, jizz spooge, on you had his batch. jizz all over yeah, you." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say what fa- you want? Spoogie. I've lost all respect for you. Yeah. One of my favorite stories. That's great. Hey, if you like Mind Pump, if you love our show, if you enjoy it, leave us a five star rating and review on iTunes. If we like your review and we pick it, you're going to win a free Mind Pump T-shirt. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Mind Pump Radio. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. Adam is at Mind Pump Adam. And don't worry about Justin. Just kidding. You can, <laughs> you can find him at Mind Pump Justin. You're a dick. Thanks for listening. Have a nice day. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. Mind Pump.